You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramapi Hashem Israel 5781, 2021. This week's Parsha is Parsha Zedvarim, and on Sunday we begin the fast on, on Matzi Shab, the Saturday night. Excuse me, we start the fast of Tishabov, which commemorates and reminds us that we do not yet have the base Hamikdash, we do not yet have the Temple in Jerusalem, we do not yet have all of the Jewish people residing in the land of Israel. We do not yet have Hashem's open manifestation in the world. So we mourn. And I'd like to share with you first some Sukkim in Dvarim, and then also some Sukkim and Amedrish in, the, in next week's portion, Veschanon, which relate to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, to the, the Temple's destruction, the exile of the Jewish people. And how do we resolve this exile? What is the purpose of the exile? Why are we in Gullus? Why do we not have a Temple? How can we return to God's arms, so to speak, if God has sent us away? So the first example is in our parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu, we're beginning a new book, Sefer Devarim, Deuteronomy. It's many words. It's the words of Moshe Rabbeinu that he began speaking before his death. And his speech lasted a few weeks. It's a long speech. It's an important speech because it's the final words of Moshe Rabbeinu of Moses as he was 120 as he was about to go to his grave his final words to the Jewish people after leading them in the desert for 40 years so he goes through the past because in order to understand what to do now and what to do in the future we need to look at the past and that's in our Parsha in Devorim and we're going to see in next week's Parsha in Vashanon as well there's talk about the future because the past and the future are very much connected there are parallels and both of these two aspects that I'm going to share with you have to do with the exile of the Jewish people, the Gullus. The first is that we see in our Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu reviews what happened with the spies. The spies had gone to, to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel, and they had sinned. They caused the Jewish people to sin. And to this day, we are suffering. The ninth of Av is a day of sadness. That was the day that the spies returned and the Jewish people cried. So that's in our Parsha, and we always read this the Shabbos before Tisha B'av, because this is our, uh, this is the root of it all. What happened? They came back. Says <coughs> the verse in Devarim in chapter one, verse twenty-six. When they came back, and Kalev and Yeshua had a positive report, but the other ten had a negative report. The Jewish people did not listen to the to the positive report of Kalev and Yehoshua, and what was the result? The Jewish people, their hearts were melted, says the verses. And God promised them, God got very angry because He wanted to bring you in, He wanted to help you, He wanted to protect you, He wanted to stand by your side, but instead, instead, you believed that God would not stand by your side. And God swore as follows, He swore that nobody of that generation, those who left Egypt, would wander in the, in the desert for 40 years. There would be an exile. Instead of them coming together in the land of Israel, 600,000 strong, instead of them coming into the land of Israel, that's just the men, one and a half million, including the women and children, the Jewish people would remain in the desert for 40 years. So there was a concept of exile. The Jewish people were not yet worthy because of their inability to believe that Hashem would help them. I can't believe that Hashem will help me. There's a sense that I don't deserve it, perhaps, 
where there's a sense that I just don't know if God's going to help me. It seems like it's too much for me. Too much. It's obviously not too much for Hashem. Hashem can do anything. But the result was, because of their disbelief, they cried. And we have to this day a Tisha B'Av, which commemorates our disbelief. And I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who's considering moving to Eretz Yisrael. And we were talking, and, I, and he was saying, you know, I don't know how we're going to make it. How am I going to have Parnassah? How am I going to have livelihood, etc.? And I said, look, be careful. Don't fall into the mistake of the spies. The, the spies said, how are we going to make it there? We can't. It's too much. We, it requires Nisim. requires miracles. You can't depend on a miracle. That's what the spies were moitzilaz. They said, Lashon Hara, they spoke gossip about God and about the Jewish people that we, we can't get miracles. But the very fact that the Torah tells us there's an obligation for us to live in the land of Israel, and they were headed in. And we are headed in today. I said, don't make that mistake of the spies. Don't listen to the mistake of the spies. If you, if you believe in miracles, if you believe in Nisim, if you have Bitachan, you can depend on miracles. Hashem wants us to live in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. It's an obligation. It's a Torah obligation. How it's going to work out, I can't tell you. I can't promise you. But Hashem... Hashem can make a promise. All you need to do is believe it. That's what we learn here. But the Jewish people didn't believe it, and as a result, they were in Gullus. They were in exile for 40 more years. And Moshe Rabbeinu is now speaking at the end of those 40 years, and he's telling them that they're about to enter. But you need to understand the mistakes of the past in order to be able to enter into Eretz Yisrael. You need to know what to do. Now I want to share with you some verses in Vezchan and next week's parsha, because they're very much connected to the destruction of the temple and to Gullus and the exile and how the exile ends. Listen carefully. These are the verses and I'm going to share with you in Medrash. Kisele banim of Nevanim says the verse in Dvarim, Perak Dalad, chapter 4, verse 25. Kisele banim of Nevanim and Oretz. When you shall have children and grandchildren, <coughs> And you shall be in the land of Israel for a long time, in Ashantem. <coughs> Ashantem is Gematria 852. From the time the Jews entered into Israel until they were driven out of Israel after the destruction of the first temple was 850 years, short by two years. Before Shem's safe, they would have stayed until 852. They would have been driven out forever. But... The verses tell us, Moshe Rabbeinu predicted, he saw with Ruach HaKadosh, with divine inspiration, that what's going to happen is that after the Jews are there a long time in the land of Israel, they're going to create a pestle, a, an idol. And they're going to do the evil in the eyes of God. They're going to make God angry. God made a promise at that time. And the Jewish people experience this promise that they will be destroyed. They will be lost from the land. They'll be thrown out of the land. The land that you're going in here now to inherit, and you're going to live there for 850 years. You should know. Be warned. It's going to come a time they're going to cause God to become angry because you're going to serve other gods, other ideologies. And the result is going to be you're going to be sent out of the land. You will not be able to extend your stay because you'll be destroyed. Now, that doesn't sound very good. It sounds like Klai Yisrael is going to be destroyed. 
we're still here. It's 3,300 years later. So what's, what's the verse talking about? So the verse continues, There's going to be something that happens. You're going to be spread out amongst the nations. You're going to be very small in number. There'll be, you know, 15 million Jews in a world where there's a billion Christians, a billion uh, Muslims. Very small in number, the Jewish people remain. God will guide you there. God will still be with you, even though you're spread out amongst the nations. The results are going to be, you're going to continue to serve idol, idolatry, idols there. <coughs> you may fall into the trap of the Christian idol, which is a human being. God is not a human being. God cannot be a human being. God does not manifest in a single person. God manifests in us all. You will serve idols that do not speak, made out of gold and silver, etc. Says the verse, an encouragement to the Jewish people, don't think it's going to be over for you there. Don't think that you're going to end up in this gullus and there will be no return. From that deep gullus, from that deep exile, from that darkness, from the place where you are serving these idols, and you're swallowed up by the nations of the world, you will search out for God, and you will find Him. For you will search for Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. But the question is, and this is what we're going to see in the Medrash is going to, I believe, come to address and explain. The question is, here we are in Gullus. Here we are far away from God, caught up in the ideologies of liberalism, of the left, so far away from God, so far away from the Torah, so far away from Yiddishkeit, from Judaism, spiritual thoughts. How will we find God? Verse promises, the verse promises, from there you will seek out God. How does that happen? What is the resolution of the Golis? How does the Golis solve the problem? We were distant from God. We distanced ourselves from God. We didn't believe that God was going to help us. So God says, wait 40 years. Then I'll let you into the land. God says, you were distant from me. You, you served idolatry. The first, temple, the first temple, the first base of English is going to be destroyed. In 70 years, you're going to wait between the first and second temples, which is what happened. And then another temple will be built, the second base of Migdash. It will stand for another 420 years, if I'm not mistaken about the numbers. And then it will be destroyed. And what happens after that? We're waiting now 2,000 years almost for our third temple to be rebuilt. It should be, it should be built soon. So what's the resolution? How do we come back? How does the exile solve the problem? We're so far away from Hashem, and yet somehow we survive. But how does it happen? Someone who's so far away from God, how does he end up calling out to God again? Searching for God again? Where does that come from? So I'd like to share with you this medrash. It says like this. The verse tells us that you're going to have children and grandchildren, and you're going to get old in the land, and you're going to sin, create, a, create an idol, you're going to be kicked out. Pulas Sadik. The verse tells us in Mishlei, in Proverbs, that the righteous, so, the righteous, when he creates something, his actions are for life. They bring about life. Connection to God. 
Tvuas Russia Lechatas. That which the Russia brings is a sin. Separates him from God. Says the Medrash, an amazing thing, an amazing, amazing thing. Listen to this carefully. Who are the righteous ones in the verse? Who are the ones who were going to have children and grandchildren that were not going to be so righteous? We'll soon see who it's a reference to. The ones who were great and righteous were David and Shalom, King David and King Solomon. What did they do? As the Mephoshim explained, they built. What was their action that brought life into the world? They built the base Hamikdash, the temple. Mahu tuas rasha lechatsa says the Medrash. What does it mean in the verse? That which the wicked bring in is sin. There was a king. His name was Menasha. He was a great great grandson of King David and King Solomon. And he brought, he himself brought into the temple, into the base Hamikdash, a pestle, an idol. Instead of encouraging the Jewish people, being a leader who would cause them to serve God, <coughs> excuse me, he caused the Jewish people to bow down to an idol in the temple itself. He did an incredible thing. He one-upped all of the other idolatries. He made an idol which had four sides, four different faces, corresponding, similar to what Yechezkel Anavi, Ezekiel the prophet, saw in his vision of the Kisya Kabbat, of the divine throne. He saw these angels that had four faces, four sides. Corresponding to that, Menashe went to the other extreme and said, I want to make an idol like that. I want the Jews to bow down to a, an idol that is similar to that. So he took the kochus of good, he took the power of good, and he sent it into the sign of evil. He caused the Jewish people to sin. Minayin Shanemar, the verse says in Yechezkel Perk Ches Pasukhei, chapter 8, verse 5, Yihnei mitzafon l'shar mezbech semel hakinah hazebebiyah. In the northern gate of the temple, there was this semel, this idol, which caused God anger. Because the Jewish people, instead of serving God, they were serving this idol. Amar Abdi'acha, Habiyah Rabbi La'alma, Riyacha says, he brought this terrible thing into the world. King Menashe brought this terrible thing, caused incredible destruction. The, the base Hamikdash would be destroyed because of this great sin. What is this comparable to? It's like imagine you have your 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 house owner. You have someone who is renting your house. And the guy who rents your house kicks you out of your house. Can you imagine what a chutzpah? Menashe comes in. He kicks, as it were, he kicks God out of God's house and replaces him with an idol. What a terrible thing. Umar explains, as we said before, I'm sorry, the Medrash explains what we said before, that uh, why he made this four-faced idol. I'm not going to read it inside. But what I'd like to share with you is the next section. How far away was Menashe? How distant he was Mephoshim explained that he actually saw, he, he, he saw that in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Holy of Holies, were the Kruvim. And the Kruvim are these baby-faced angels, which Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu indeed. It's like Zeres HaKasuf. Of course, it needs explanation how it was permitted. What's the idea behind it? What is the, what is the Musag? What is the concept 
of the Kruvim, of the cherubs. We're not going to get into that. But he saw that and he said, I'm going to take this further. I'm going to make this idol with the four faces, not just one face of a Kruv, with the four faces. So what did, what did Hashem do for Menashe? Who caused, ultimately, the destruction of the Temple. He undid the actions of the great-grandfathers of David and Shlomo, of King David and King Solomon. Hashem gave him over into the hands of his enemies. And listen carefully, because this is what Gullus looks like. This is what exile looks like. And this is the purpose of exile. And this is what we're supposed to understand here sitting in exile, and here looking at the story of the Jewish people being stuck in the member for 40 more years, and understand what is the point of it. And we can think about Yosef at Sadiq, Joseph, who also ended up in jail for an extra two years because he tried too hard. What is the idea of that extra exile? What is it supposed to do to us? Here, here, is, here is this amazing lesson of the Medrash. Listen carefully. Hashem gave Menashe over into the hands of his enemies. Medrash says, quotes the verse in Deborah Hayamim in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 11, that God gave him over the, the, the chief of staffs, the chief of the army of the king of, As- of Ashur, of Assyria, came and he put Menashe, King Menashe, into chains. Nechushtayim. says the word Medrash. What does Nechushtayim mean? It can mean chains, chains but it can also because it means metal. Medrash says an amazing thing. They took him, they put him actually in a pot made out of Nechushtayim, of bronze. They put him in a pot, they put fire under the pot. And he started to burn inside of that pot. King Menashe, leader of the Jewish people, would cause them to sin. Menashe was a master of all of the idolatries of the world. He called out to every single one of them. He had gotten help from them in the past. Perhaps he had needed Parnassah for the Jewish people. He prayed on behalf of the Jewish people to this idol. This idol helped the Jewish people. We pray for himself. And it worked. But this time, he prays to every one of the idols. That he had brought he had previously brought all kinds of sacrifices to them. And this time nobody answered. None of the idols answered. He called out to them. The verse in Isaiah says, He called out to them and they didn't help. They didn't answer. They did not protect him from his tremendous pain that he was in. Now listen carefully because this is the point of Gullus. This is why we get sent into Gullus. And Menashe is an example for us. He was, so, he was such a terrible person. He caused such incredible sin upon the Jewish people. He brought them to do terrible... He brought that idol into the Beis HaMegdash, into the Temple. Menashe sees it's not working. I call out to this idol. I've called out to this government official. I've called out to this uh, president who's supposed to help me and save me from the Arabs. I've called out to this... Pr- it's not working. I'm in hot water. Literally, I'm boiling in hot water. And all of these idols that I've called out to have not responded. What does Menashe do? He calls, he begins to call out to Hashem. 
Amar lefan ribanu shaloylam harikorasi lechol alahos sheba oylam yodati shemem mamish. He says, I've called out to all of the idols in the world, to all of the false gods in the world, and I see that they have no power. Ribanu shalom atu alaka alkal elohim. You are the one God who is above all of the other false gods. You are the highest God. If you don't answer me, says Menashe, I will know that it's all the same. All the gods have no power, and not even Hashem. God says to him, He says to him, What an evil, wicked person you are. Really, I should not respond to you. But I'm going to answer you, not because you deserve it. I'm going to answer you, I'm going to answer your prayer, so that everybody knows, everybody knows, that you can always repent. You can always come back. Doesn't matter how far you've gone, doesn't matter how many people you've caused to sin. You're never going to be as bad as Manasha. And you can always come back. You can always return to Hashem. They shouldn't say, look, Menashe tried to do tshuva. Shem didn't receive him. Me? I'm going to do tshuva? I'm going to repent? It's not going to work. People shouldn't say that. That's, that's why I'm going to answer you. I'm going I'm to respond to you. Says the Medrash, an amazing thing. Hashem responded to his prayer. He was praying, he was, he was davening to God. And as a result of his sincere prayer, he saw that he had nowhere else to turn. No other idols would save him. As a result of his sincere prayer. It's an amazing thing, the Medjish tells us. The Malach and the angels themselves were saying, do not answer his prayer. They were trying to stop his prayer from rising up to the Kisya Kavit, to the throne of God's glory. What did God do? He, he dug out from under the Kisei cover from under the throne of God, and He pushed away all that the angels tried to block that prayer from coming up. He pushed it away so that the prayer could rise. As I'm unfortunate to say, because there's a piece of our soul which is connected to God's throne that is never touched by our sins. And I would like to say that that piece of... that. Pintaliyid, we call it, that spark of 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 God's of God that's inside of of us of God's throne. There's a piece of us that's still there, no matter how bad we are, no matter how far we've gone, and even if we've completely covered it with sins and we've caused others to sin, like Menashe, that piece of our soul is still there, and God digs it out and says, "Hey, I, I, I hear it. Even in that prayer, I hear the the." that piece of, of the soul of Menashe I can still answer him I might need some other excuses so to speak to answer him but I can still answer him and God received his prayer by the verse tells us God returned him to Jerusalem to his Malchus to his kingdom he returns him with a wind. He 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 flew back to Jerusalem. The verse tells us God makes the wind blow. Verse says, 
By Shiveo means to return him, it also can mean to cause the wind to blow. God brought him back. At that moment, Menashe knew that there's only one God, and that God is Hashem. One God, and that God is Hashem. What do we see from this Medrash? What is the Medrash coming to teach us? The Medrash is coming to teach us that it's possible that a person's children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, King David, King Solomon, the greatest tzaddikim, the greatest righteous individuals, prophets of all time, built the base of English. They could have someone who's their descendant, Menashe, who so far causes the Jewish people to sin in the very temple that they built. And yet, as far as he was, in the pot, being burned by his enemies, he called out to God, because there was no other choice, there was nowhere else to return to. There was no one else to turn to. And therefore he returned to Hashem, and he realized that there is only one God. And that is the point of the exile. That's what this message, I believe, is teaching us. We get so far away from Hashem. We get, we get sent for another 40 years in the wilderness. God, why is this happening? We've done wrong. We gotta, we gotta be, it seems like, but you're just pushing us further away. And the answer is that the further away we get, the further away we get, all the different ideologies, idolatries, etc., all those things, at a certain point, they stop working. They destroy themselves. Just look at what's going on in the States with the, ide- the ideologies of liberalism, etc. Look what happens. They dest- the farther away you get from Hashem, the more the evil destroys itself and there's nowhere to turn to. There's nothing else to do. That was part of my conversation yesterday with this person who's considering moving to Israel. He said, America is collapsing. There's nowhere else to go. There's only one place to go. And that's back to Hashem. In that farthest, farthest place, unbelievably, that's where we find that little pintaliyid, that little spark, that little spark of, of the Jew, the connection to God's throne, which is in each and every one of us. No matter how much dirt and grime we have piled up on our souls, it's still there. God is still there. And God is there to be found in the darkness. So bringing this back, here we are, in the Gullus, in the exile, here we are, based on English is destroyed, here we are, even in Israel, with 7 million Jews, and still, they're attempting, the government is attempting, to take away funding from those who are studying the Holy Torah, who are trying to be committed completely to God. And here we are, in this dark Gullus, perhaps at the end of the tunnel, I believe we are at the end of the tunnel, the light is starting to shine through, Still, they wish to destroy us. Just as there was a Holocaust 75 years ago, they wish to do such a thing again to the Jewish people. Chas v'sham, heaven forbid. So the darkness is still here, and the exile is still here, but what is it for? The purpose of it is to get us to wake up. To see that there's nowhere else to turn. No one else is going to help us. No one else is going to stand by us. No one else is going to pull us out of this pot. Only Hashem. And the moment that we recognize that, God will blow a beautiful wind and, and fly all of the Jews from all over the world back to the land of Israel, back to the Malchus, back to the kingdom of God. As far as they are, whether they know they're Jewish, whether they don't know they're Jewish, as far as they are away from Hashem, they will be blown back here 
because they will call to him. That's the promise of these verses. And that is also the promise of what happens when the Jewish people sin and they're told 40 years in the Midbar, 40 years of wilderness, as they're told in this week's Parsha. Why? Because the farther you are, the more you need to rely, the more you realize that you, you can't depend on anything else, only on Hashem. So I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. That we should take the challenges that He throws our way and the exile that we all are experiencing, whether it's Corona or whether it's anti-Semitism or whether it's the threats to our national security. All of these things we should recognize that there's only one place to turn and that is to Hashem. And the moment that we turn to Him, may it be soon, Hashem will take us all back and He should build this base Hamikdash the third temple, once and for all, speedily and in our days. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.